a great day for a podcast. Once again, here he is, John Oakley. Tupac Shakur uh, met a very untimely end. Uh, his was a career in its ascendancy. Actually, uh, you know, he was already in full flourish as a monumental force in the hip-hop idiom. And so gunned down back in 1996, coming out of a Tyson fight, driving along the strip. Car pulls up beside him, and uh, guns were ablazing. And it killed Tupac Shakur, but uh, nobody really knew who had committed the murder, and it festered for 27 years. But late last week, there was a charge announced, and in this case, it was Dwayne Keith D. Davis charged with the murder. And uh, somebody who's intimately knowledgeable about the whole affair is Greg Kading, a retired LAPD detective who worked on the task force investigating the murders of both Tupac Shakur and the notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, uh, his book is Murder Rap, and Greg Kading has joined us here on the Oakley Show this afternoon. Greg, good to have you with us. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. How are you today? Well, great. Uh, let me ask you, I mean, uh, how'd they come by uh, this Keith Davis as the shooter after 27 years? Well, Keith Davis has always been on law enforcement's radar uh, with both of the murders, both with Biggie Smalls and with Tupac. And so uh, it was his nephew, Orlando Anderson, was always the primary suspect in the murder of Tupac, because you might recall that Orlando Anderson and Tupac had gotten into a fight just hours before Tupac was shot. And so Keefe D, the man who was just recently arrested, is actually the uncle of Orlando Anderson. And Keefe D was in Vegas and involved in the murder. He first confessed all the way back in 2009. Why would he do that? He was under a very interesting set of circumstances known as a proffer agreement. The government was looking at charging him with interstate narcotic trafficking, which was essentially going to be a life sentence. In return, he agreed to cooperate on the murder of Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls. And so he did what was known as a proffer agreement where he sits down with law enforcement and divulges information about the murders insofar as he knows them. And then he's protected from self-incrimination. But you're on record as saying he probably has talked himself straight into prison. How so? Well, he went outside of the conditions of that proffer agreement, even though he had self-protection, Fifth Amendment um, protection, uh, during those law enforcement interviews, once he stepped outside of that and been, began to publicly proclaim his role in the murder of Tupac, that violated the conditions of the proffer, and all of those things no longer fell under the protective nature of the proffer agreement. So he kept running his mouth, and like I said, he essentially, eventually, just pocked himself right into handcuffs. Greg Kading's with us, retired LAPD detective, 25 years on the force. He worked in the investigation of the murders of Tupac and the, the notorious B.I.G. So, and by the way, I should say uh, the book is Murder Rap. But he wasn't the gunman. Uh, Keefe D. wasn't the gunman, but uh, nonetheless still charged in the murder. Explain. He was part of a conspiracy to commit murder. He acted in concert with other individuals. Although his nephew was the shooter, Keefe D was 
actively involved in hunting Tupac down that night. He was in the car that was used to shoot and kill Tupac, and he actually is the one who handed the gunman the gun. So he, along with the other occupants of that vehicle, are all equally responsible for the murder, even though they didn't, he didn't um, pull the trigger. When you say he handed his nephew the gun, uh, this was the implement to shoot Tupac. This surfaced in his memoir, Compton Street Legend. Why, why would he put that in print? He must have thought that he had some type of blanket immunity after his proffer agreement, after his interviews with law enforcement. He must have erroneously believed that he could go out and just boast about these things without consequences. So this is a classic situation of when ignorance and arrogance collide and uh, it led to his own demise. I guess it's somewhat fortuitous that uh, they actually charge now in the murder Keefe D. Davis, uh, he of the four who were in the car that night, uh, from my accounts or what I'm hearing, he's the only the last surviving suspect. Uh, the others have passed. That is correct. His nephew, the actual trigger man, died in 1998 in an unrelated gang action. And then the other two occupants have since died. So Keefe D. is the last man standing. What's interesting is uh, the notorious uh, B.I.G., uh, he was also uh, shot in similar circumstances. This was an East Coast, West Coast kind of thing or not at all? Well, they labeled it that, but it was really just two different record labels, one from the East Coast and one from the West Coast. Bad Boy Records on the East, headed by Puffy Combs, and then Death Row Records on the West Coast, headed by Suge Knight. So that was the conflict between those labels, the conflict between those CEOs, the conflict between those artists, and then ultimately the conflict between the gangs that was associating with them. Greg, now, uh, Suge Knight, uh, he was driving the car that night. The Tupac was shot. He's currently in prison. Uh, that's an unrelated manslaughter charge from what I understand. But he's not talking. Uh, would he have known who the shooter was or, you know, all of these details that you're giving us, but he's not saying, why would that be? Yeah. Um, well, it's because it's Suge Knight and he's never been necessarily friendly to law enforcement nor helpful in the murder of his good friend, Tupac Shakur, his primary artist. He locked eyes with Keefe D the night that that assailant's vehicle pulled up along the BMW that Suge Knight was driving. Dwayne Keefe Davis Keefe D. Davis claims that he looked directly across the car into Suge Knight's car and they locked eyes and they'd known each other since childhood. So for Suge had no, no doubt whatsoever who were in, who the people were in that assailant's vehicle, uh, but he never provided that information to law enforcement. He never did anything to try to help solve the murder of Tupac. And as karma would have it, he's now facing basically a life sentence in prison himself. And so is there closure on this file now? Uh, we have a definitive, well, surviving member of the entourage that shot Tupac Shakur 27 years ago? Absolutely. It'll no longer go down in history as an unsolved murder. It will now be a solved murder. And thank God, because uh, history can rest properly now. It can, you know, Tupac's case can rest in peace. Well stated. Again, the book is Murder Rap. Greg Kading, retired LAPD detective, worked on the task force investigating the murders of Tupac and the notorious B.I.G. Really appreciate your time, Greg. Thanks for it.
My pleasure. It's a great day for talk radio. There you go. Listen to the John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on earth 24 hours a day by going to 640toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.